Welcome to CEO Conversations, the private practice podcast. I'm your host, Brandi Mabra. This is your one-stop shop to learn the business side of your practice on a deeper level. On this show, we empower you to own your CEO status to scale your practice for growth, sustainability, and profit. Listen in as we talk about how to market your practice to gain more visibility, hire, build, and engage your ride-or-die dream team, create streamlined operations, and make financial decisions as a CEO. It's time to show up as a confident leader to create a practice and life you love. Let's get started. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of CEO Conversations, the private practice podcast. It's Brandy here, and we are diving into a really great topic, I think. It actually came up during a all-day session with one of my clients, and we were going through trying to set her practice up to get ready to sell. And one of the comments that came up was that my team is understaffed. So the question that we're going to talk about today is, is your practice understaffed or is your team underskilled? Oftentimes in the space, I see very frequently where people hire unnecessarily because there's something that's missing. There have been practices that like during the course of my career, where we've gone in to have to restructure, you know, I'm looking at staffing models, there's people everywhere, you know, financials are out of control, the money's coming in, overhead is high. And so when you start to step into it, you can see that what they were doing was they were trying to make up for some type of gap, but they kept too many people, right? And so this is, this can happen very easily, very easily. And according to like, if you feel that you're always having to make up for a skill set, or maybe your team isn't strong in a certain area, or you are in a place where you feel that you need, or you know that you need an additional skill set, one of the quickest go-to, especially as, as the revenue is coming in, you have more money to work with, is let me just go ahead and hire for this position. And I'm not saying that it's completely bad because part of what we even talk about on this podcast and part of what I talk with on a daily basis with our clients is you always want to make sure that you're in your strengths, right? You as a leader want to make sure your team is in their strengths. However, when it comes to looking at, do we really need to hire? There's a couple of things that I want you to think about first. And one of the things that I'm continuously saying is before you hire for any position in your practice, you have to have clarity. You have to stop, you have to pause. And it's very challenging, especially if you're in a busy practice, to take the time to actually get very clear on what do you need? Because sometimes the answer isn't that you need to hire. The answer is that maybe you need to train up that team member, or maybe you need to leverage another team member in order to fill the gap. So let's talk about truly like, what does it mean to be understaffed? Understaffed means that there is too much work and nobody has the skill set to do it, or, or it would be that there is too much work for the team members that we have. People are working way too many hours. So people are going into overtime. You are paying additional expense because there's not enough people. It might be from a provider perspective where the schedules are full. You are busting out of the seams in your practice if you're in a building. 
virtually, it doesn't matter. Like if the schedules are full, if you can tell that people are stressed out, you know, working, waking up early, same thing I say in my messaging, the early mornings, the late nights, the weekends, that can happen to your team too, right? And so if those types of things are happening, you might be understaffed. And I'm going to say might, because that's why you have to stop and you have to take the time and and it's hard especially once that practice is going, right? So I work with busy professionals. All of our owners are busy. And one of the hardest things for them to do is just to stop, to force their team to stop. But it's going to save you so much time, money, and energy. Those are the number, the three things that we always want to pay attention to, time, money, energy, right? You don't want your team to spend too much time or to be unproductive. You don't want them to exert, you know, unnecessary energy. And you don't want them to waste money by working unnecessary hours, right? And so the same thing for you as a CEO. You don't want to be unproductive as a CEO, you don't want to, you know, have money that's just going out the door, right? And you don't want to put out unnecessary energy that you don't have to. So when we're looking at understaffed, like you can walk into a business and you can see there's not enough people. So let's use like, what's a common one? Let's use the grocery store, right? And so like, if you go into the grocery store or Target or whatever your place is and you walk in and you can see the line, like we're getting ready to go into the holidays, right? you can see the lines, right? And then you can see maybe like two people at the cash register, (laughs) like (laughs) way too many people, not enough people to check out. That's how part of like nowadays with the self-checkout, that's how self-checkout all like became a thing, right? So that way you didn't have to continuously hire cashiers, but even with self-checkout, you know, like there's just too many people, not enough bodies. That's understaffed. We might feel it in restaurants if we go down and sit down and we see like the restaurant is packed, but maybe there's not enough help, waiters, servers, you know, waitresses, like all of it. So like those are prime examples of being understaffed. In a practice, it would be maybe the phones are continuously ringing, but you have people that you have to like talk to maybe standing in trying to get checked in. Or maybe there's callbacks that have to happen, follow-ups that have to happen, and there's a delay with that. And your poor person, your poor admin person, maybe it's working all the hours trying to do everything that they can do, and it's just not enough. Those are examples of being understaffed. When we are talking about underskilled, it can definitely mimic being understaffed. And so this is why you actually have to stop and pay attention to the skill sets that your team has, the strengths that that your team has. Because in this prime example with my client, it had to do with team members who are definitely underskilled. So this usually happens when you hire somebody for a job who doesn't necessarily have the expertise that they need. You might have needed to train them up Maybe they weren't able to catch on as quickly as what they should have. Maybe the job description wasn't as cleared. Maybe the training wasn't as on point as what it should have been. Those are all setups for being underskilled. So when you actually sit down and you start to pay attention, then you can see like, okay, as you're moving through doing certain jobs, it takes you longer. Maybe navigating the EHR takes you longer. So it takes you longer to schedule an appointment. 
maybe you aren't as clear when it comes from a clinical, maybe you don't have like a strong clinical knowledge. So when you're working with a patient or a client, it takes you longer, which means that it's everything's going to take you longer. So it seems like you're understaffed, right? We don't have enough people. No, you need to train up your team or you need to weed your team out. So one of the best things that you can do is once you recognize like we need a very specific skill set, then you hire for that skill set and you take the time to find that skill set. And if you do recognize the fact that you've hired someone who does not have the expertise that you need, then you need to prepare and to go ahead and train up that person and make sure that the training that you are providing is on point, is going to teach them exactly what they need to know. It needs to be very strategic. It needs to be very intentional in order to get them up and going. So that way you're not wasting time, money, or energy once you bring them on board. So a lot of times when we hire, especially as we're growing practices, we might not have the revenue to hire the the expert that we need, right? The salary might be too much or the hourly might be too much or the amount of hours that we really need that person to to work might be too much for the practice. What do you do? What do you do? You need to pay attention to, again, what are the skill sets that the position requires? What are the strengths that the, that the position requires? And then you hire accordingly, or you hire what you can for right now, but recognizing it's gonna take a minute. But I don't want you to think for one second, I need five bodies for this position, or I need five bodies for this department, when really you only need three. And so this is where the business savvy starts to come in. This is where you actually stopping as the CEO, asking more questions, paying attention to what your policy and procedures are, making sure that your team has accesses to the tools that they need to be successful. This is where you might be adding some additional education. Maybe you're providing additional CEUs, stipends for continuing education. Like all those things are important to have as part of your business culture but you might really need to have it, especially if your team is underskilled. If you can, one of the things I see, especially when it comes to admin, and is that there are certain key things that like a strong administrative person needs to have, right? So it might be they need, when it comes to technology, especially with EHR systems, being comfortable with technology, being able to build a relationship, especially because they're having money type of conversations being able to be the face of of the practice whether if it's answering the phone answering an email i don't care talking to somebody face to face like all those things are very important the other thing that i see is that a lot of times when it comes to healthcare, especially if you're taking insurances then they have to understand insurance right so if you get a blue cross blue shield or if you get a humana or if you get a cigna or an aetna or whatever they need to have some type of savvy to understand insurance. So that way, if you see a claim might've been denied for them to actually understand why the claim was denied, you know, your biller needs to have a certain expertise when it comes to billing. Absolutely. But your admin team, who is also part of this, especially if they're collecting co-pays, getting insurance information, having conversations about deductibles, trying to collect money, needs to have some type of savvy too. So a lot of times what I see is that people hire administrative folks with no healthcare experience and they don't necessarily teach them the healthcare experience. And because they haven't taught them the healthcare experience, then the money gets messed up or the uh, conversations aren't as flowing as what they should be. Or if there's complaints or if there's, you know, where there's certain situations that happen during just standard conversations, right? So that just kind of come with the territory of healthcare and dealing with patients and, and people's 
care and, and sick people. They're not prepared for that. So it's really important for you to recognize what are the key things that each position requires. Remember, key skills and key strengths for each position. And then you make sure that person's set up. And there's sometimes where it just doesn't work out. So if the person is underskilled, you need to definitely make a quick decision to get rid of them. And I hate to be that way. But at the same time, if you are just wasting time, wasting time and they're not getting it and they're not getting it and you're spending so much time and energy and trying to make it work and, and fit a square peg into a round hole, how frustrating is that, right? I mean, I'm frustrated just talking about it. So you need to make sure that you are taking the time to know your practice, know your practice. And when you hire, that's why we always hire with strategy and intention and making sure we are doing the right hire. And if there's any hesitation for whether or not that hire is going to be a good fit, then we pause. We don't move forward. We pause. We might do a second interview. We might have someone else interview them. We might go back and check additional references. We are pausing. We are definitely paying attention to making sure that the hire that you are making is the right hire. So what does this mean when we're talking about this? What are some things that you can do when it comes to this? One of the things I highly believe is that anytime you do bring in a team member, you have to nurture them, right? You have to make sure that they're set up for success. One of the biggest mistakes I see from leaders is that they think that they're being, that they're bothering their team members if they meet with them or if they have team meetings or even um, gatherings and, you know, and every team is going to be different. That's why you involve your team as partners to see what exactly their love language is or how they like to be rewarded or how they like to be recognized, uh, what their expectations are, how they like to be led, how they like to be communicated with. All of that is part of leadership. So you have to nurture your team. You also need to make sure you have a sound onboarding process, orientation process. It's not just like, oh, welcome to the practice and they just dive into the work. You don't train them up. The first two weeks, you're untouchable. One of the things that we teach our clients is that when you have a new hire, they have a onboarding schedule. They have an onboarding experience. You are working with them for the first 90 days to make sure that they're good to go. If they are showing any signs, any red flags within those first 30 days, you're having conversations, direct conversations about it. If they're still having those red flags during the first 60 days and you're getting ready to let them go. We're not about like, oh, I've hired this person four years ago and they're still with the practice and they're so frustrating, <laughs> you know? No. No, that's not, that is not how you run a business. That's not fair to you. That's not fair to the person that you've hired because they deserve to be part of a company where they can actually do a good job, right? Where they're set up for success. Sometimes businesses just aren't a good fit. It has nothing to do with anything from an evil standpoint or being mean. No, it's uh, doing them a favor. There's people that I've let go in my career and I've done them a favor, right? Because they've been able to find a job that actually they liked or that they were good at compared to us always having conversations about this is missing or this is missing or this needs to be fixed. I mean, nobody wants to be in that kind of environment. That's not fair. That's not even fun, you know? And so it's important for you to recognize as a leader, what are you working with when it comes to your team? The good, the bad, and the ugly. Because each team has high performers, middle performers, and low performers. So your high performers are the performers that really set the benchmark, right? They're the ones that you sit down and you think about. They're like, oh, they always do a great job. It is so amazing. Like, I, I it's, it's just so easy. You know, it's just so easy. Your middle performers are sometimes 
showing signs of being a high performer, but they still have to be managed up. You might have to have a couple different conversations with them. You might have to do some reminders, but they're not in the caliber of the low performer where you were talking to them probably at least once or twice a week. You are sitting at your desk wanting to hit your head against the wall because your low performers are just driving you bananas, right? And so these are all signs on whether or not you are, again, understaffed or underskilled. So think about it. When you are thinking about your practice, when you're thinking about your team, and we talked about this in a prior episode, where is your team member a asset or a liability so as you're going through that and thinking about your team member each one on a scale from one to ten that's why we do activities like this that's why we're really paying attention to what's happening with the team we're asking questions what do you need to be successful how can i partner with you we're not avoiding hard conversations we're having hard conversations because you don't want to make unnecessary financial decisions or spend unnecessary money if you don't have to. So it's important for you to have a really clear understanding of what's happening with your team. And one of the best ways you can do that is nurture them, have a relationship with them, talk to them, communicate, communicate with them there. I do not know the statistic and I'm probably going to bring it back here on a podcast and we probably might even need to have like a whole podcast dedicated to communication. But as a leader, communication is always evolving. And the best, like, you know, I work with amazing communicators just where you have to over communicate. A lot of even the messages that our clients as practitioners have to provide are are hard conversations. You have hard conversations every day. And so it's, it's really interesting to watch what happens when they need to have a hard conversation with their team member, or they need to actually fire their team member, or they need to write up their team member, or they need to just address an elephant in the room It's like, oh goodness gracious, I don't know what to do. And that's normal, that is normal, because even with me, with all the business experience that I have, all the leadership experience I have, sometimes there's blind spots, sometimes there's fear that steps in. There's sometimes like, I'm not too sure how to navigate this situation. And it's just because it feels so personal and close to me compared to when I'm talking to a client, I'm like, oh, do this, 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 and this, like bam, 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 bam. And so you have to make sure that you're recognizing that there's levels to this, um, but, that's why having a close relationship why having regular one-on-ones why again having policy and procedures things documented having a job description having a contract with your providers having employee agreements is critical because that becomes more of the data remember we always talk about there's the emotion that you feel then there's the data that you have to put with it so during those hard conversations or just what i like to call not even hard conversations sometimes they're just reset conversations you can pull out the job description you can pull out the contract you can pull out the employee agreement you can go back to the previous conversation this is what we talked about you can go back to certain situations that maybe the person didn't really show the skill set that that was needed, right? And so this is all part of nurturing your team. You have to give your team the resources that they need to be successful. You have to lead, you have to lead. And more of the successful businesses have more leaders than managers, right? Because you definitely wanna set your team up to where they're naturally leading themselves. So that way you don't have to be in the day-to-day so much, right? When you were showing up, it's more or less because that's an escalated ask or an escalated situation that really needs your expertise or needs your guidance. Because remember, as the CEO, you're always the one who sets the tone. 
You set the tone for the mission and the vision and the purpose, and you let people know this is where the ship is going. This is where we're headed. This is the vision that we have. And so the skill sets that your team are bringing to the table is all part of that. It's all connected. It is all connected. So nurturing your team is one of the things we talked about ranking your team. Um, you know, again, on prior episodes, if you're wondering, what does that mean? Please go back to, is your team, a team member, a asset or a liability? That's one of the prior episodes to go through that exercise on how to rank your team, but also get your team involved. So if you are recognizing like, do we need to really hire some people? Ask your team, and and I'm saying this lightly. <laughs> Let me tell you, I'm, t- I'm saying this lightly because there's visions that come back into my mind of team meetings where I'm like, where I always say, let me back up a minute. I always say that there is two things and really one thing that a team you will never, ever be able to satisfy, ever, I believe. And this might be more of like me projecting this on you, but I believe just based on all the surveys, all the data, all of my experience that I've seen, one of the hardest things to satisfy any team member on is pay, salary. So if you are like having team members saying, I need to make more money, you know what? They are saying that everywhere. I need to make more money, you know? And so all the surveys, I would get tier one, right? So tier three on surveys would be like, I hate it here. Like I just, this place is awful. Tier two's in the middle. And so a lot of the organizations I was hired to fix or to restructure were at tier three. And my part of my job was to get them to tier one. And so I would do that. You know, I've had multiple tier one, you know, practices. And so with tier one, it was always interesting. They loved everything about the practice. They loved everything about the business. And the number one thing that always required improvement was the pay. Always, always. (laughs) So it's just, you know, and even when we think about ourselves as people, what's one of the main things, you know, money, you know, we always want to make more money. We always want to make more money. Why do we always want to make more money? Because the more money you make, the more money you spend. So you can definitely be in a cycle of, I need more money. And I'm telling you, your team members probably aren't going through as entrepreneurs, all the money mindset and money conversations that we have with ourselves. And, you know, let me work with my CPA and have strategic conversations about money and budget and all the things that we're supposed to do as CEOs. Hopefully you have a good financial partner. They don't do that, right? So a lot of it is always going to come up. And there's sometimes where the money, yes, needs to be addressed. Pay needs to be addressed because I do believe you want your people to be satisfied and, and know that they're being paid well. But there are sometimes where it's just like an unmeasurable bar. So I hope that maybe gives you some comfort. And that's why I always love the market. You know, I love incentivizing team members when it comes to job performance through financial gain. I like to look at salary. You know, what are they, if they were to go interview at a different place, what would that look like? But I just want to give you some freedom with that. The second thing is that a lot of times teams, because they are underskilled, will sit up and tell you we need more people. And you don't necessarily maybe need more people. So I've been set up in meetings thinking that we are truly understaffed. And then once I start to dive into it, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Girl, you ain't sitting up or doing what you need to do because you don't understand it, you know? And it's and it's like they don't want to learn it sometimes. So they think like, oh, if I hire someone else and I don't have to, I won't have to do that part of my job. And so you need to make sure that you're paying attention to all the details and having deeper conversations. And then for the folks who might be listening to this who have leadership teams, same thing with your leadership team, right? And then your leadership team needs to have conversations. So it's like you're checking 
all of the boxes just to make sure again the goal is always to have a team member who has the right strengths for the position the right skill set for the position and is a good culture fit those are always your three things i say that multiple times when it comes to your team members so here's some questions if you want to have a team meeting just to dive in a little bit deeper and here's maybe some homework for you especially because as we're getting closer to the end of the year we are trying to set ourselves up for 2024 right and going into the holidays and you know and so it's really important for you to start to have some of these conversations to help you with action planning and to get ready for the new year so here are some questions how do you think the practice run just sit there and let them tell you what they think if they don't say anything be silent you know it was interesting uh, we were having a conversation about sometimes like when you have team meetings and maybe your team doesn't necessarily say anything what that you know what that how that can feel like right and it's like it's so awkward that awkward silence but if you engage your team if you actually start to say hey listen someone's going to say something and then Lily want to start calling you out you know hey so and so what do you think how do you think the practice runs just in order to get some feedback because it's important right you need the feedback and you also want to create a culture of feedback as well so ask them how do you think the practice runs another question that you can ask is how do you think their job is going this is a really powerful question because how you think their job is going and how they think their job can go it can definitely be two sides of, of the spectrum <laughs> let me tell you um good or bad you know sometimes you think a, a team member is doing amazing and they think they're doing awful and then the flip side of that is where you are like i could fire you today and they think they're coming to you saying hey i need a raise um yeah you just gotta love teams but that's a second question the third question is what changes can be made to make their job easier right so part of the work that we do as leaders is to again make sure that your team has the resources that they need to be successful make sure that they're set up for success the fourth question is what opportunities do you see to make the practice better so those are four questions that you can definitely ask if you're trying to get a good gauge on what's happening within your team some things if you are paying attention to like man i probably have made some bad hires and so it's definitely not an understaff situation going on it's an underskilled situation then the next time that you hire then i want you to definitely pay attention to if you're hiring based on a feeling or a vibe it your answer should never be I could see myself going to dinner with this person or on vacation or they're just so cool they remind me of me that's cool if you know but you also want to dig a little bit deeper and again skill set strengths culture fit do they have the experience and expertise that they need for the job if they are cool on a vibe level great but you don't want to just hire based on a vibe number two is always ask open-ended questions please do not ask closed-ended questions like so do you think you can do a good job the person of course is going to say yes so making sure that you are asking open-ended questions one of the things that we teach our clients is always using behavioral based type questions so can you describe a time when you've had to handle x y or z you know what are some things that you did to make sure that you're successful those types of questions um, and then get input i always especially if you already have an existing team find your rock star team members you're already your ride or dies and ask them to help interview right even if you have a colleague that you trust and you maybe are in the middle of trying to transition your team ask get someone else's opinion because two things are going to happen 
like when you do like peer interviews, they're going to answer those questions a different way. Potentially, they're going to let get down their guard because they probably maybe feel that those people who are interviewing them are more their peers and not necessarily have hiring decision capability or power. And so you want to make sure that you're really getting multiple opinions so that way you can make a sound decision. The other thing, too, is when you have a team chemistry, team chemistry is is so important. You don't want to mess that up. So making sure that you're setting yourself up for success with hiring um, is good. Not everybody needs to have an opinion. Let me tell you something. There are some times where you just, again, that's why I'm saying there might be a trusted colleague that you have that maybe you can pull in because your team isn't necessarily the best, or maybe you don't have the team of engaged folks. Like I think sometimes this happens if you have multiple like contractors who are kind of in, kind of out, they're just kind of collecting a paycheck. They're maybe seeing some folks, but they don't really have the buy-in. You don't necessarily want those people to be your peer group for interviews, right? So you definitely want to make sure that the people who are helping you with the interview process understand what the position requires, understand the strengths that that is required, knows, has a really great feeling for what the business culture is that you're creating. So that way they can give you honest feedback. So those are some things to help you as you're diving into this. So again, the number one question to ask is, is your practice understaffed or underskilled? So that's for today's conversation and I will see you guys next time. Enjoy. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the episode and it empowers you as the CEO of your practice. If you enjoyed the podcast, please make sure you subscribe, share the message, and leave a review. If you want more information and support in growing and scaling your practice, click the link in the show notes to take advantage of our free resources or apply to work with me directly. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.